Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, 40 through 52. And today I'm going to be talking to you about influencers. All right? Many of you guys know, I, there, there's a really funny thing. Uh, I, I, the, the family that I'm talking about is not here today. What a great time to talk about somebody when they're not here. <laughs> but the family that I'm, not t- that I'm talking about today... Um, so uh, it was Glenna's granddaughter, she's here, and then it was uh, Rochelle's son, Moses. And Moses, um, you know, he, he finally went and got a really cool hairdo, you know. Like, you know, y'all seen those memes on Facebook where it's like the kid in 1970 school pictures has a bowl cut. And it's like the worst haircut in the world. That was me from 1970 through about 1982. Uh, It's like the worst haircuts in the world. But like kids now in like first grade look like GQ models with their haircuts. You know what I'm saying? Well, Moses, he gets, he he moves from his little boy haircut to, you know, a a hipster kind of nice, you know, stylish haircut. And Glenna's little granddaughter comes and she says, Moses, you're an influencer now. I was like, my mouth dropped open. I'm serious. Now, half of the old people in here, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now. All right. Well, an influencer, usually on YouTube, it can be in other media, social media platforms. But an influencer is is a person who, by virtue of their experience or knowledge of a certain subject area... They will, uh, they will speak on behalf of different companies and push their products. Basically, what they're trying to do is influence you to purchase these particular items. Many times, it's their, their personal brand. But look, influencers have not just been around for the last five to ten years. Influencers have been around for decades, really. You know, whenever someone famous... They put their names in, on, on an item. They're basically, they have sponsors. They're sponsorships. And uh, you'll have these famous athletes that will be, uh, uh, you know, for Nike or whatever brand. They are the spokesperson. And they're, they're pushing that brand based upon their influence as a sports star. This is something like, uh, y'all too, a lot of y'all too old uh, or young to remember this, but a lot of the old people will remember this. Um, 
the old Cajun cook, you know, like I guarantee. Remember that guy? Julius, I think was his name. But anyway, it, he, he predated a lot of these cooking shows. Like he was way before. He's the OG of uh, Gordon Ramsay. You know what I'm saying? And he's in his kitchen somewhere over in Louisiana and he's cooking up stuff with the skillet. And he's like, yo, he's tasting it. He's like, man, this is good right here. That, that gonna be good, man. That make you slap your mom, you know, your tongue, slap your brains out. This is good, I guarantee. You know, he would be all about that. At, the, at certain parts in his show, he would say, I want to tell you about these knives right here that I'm using. And so he's using his influence to push these particular brand of knives. So influencers, and we're all influencers to a degree. Jesus said this, he said, you're the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are to be his witnesses, his influencers. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, we are to be his witnesses, his influencers. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he gives us power to be witnesses, influencers in the earth. So we're influencers. All right, amen. Justin Wilson, is that so? Justin Wilson, Justin is, uh, is how he said his name, Justin. Um, but in the, in the earth, you and I are his influencers for the kingdom. Have you ever lost your influence with somebody? Just think about it for a second. Have you ever lost your influence with somebody? I have. I have, I've, I've actually been doing things that I thought would draw me closer to that person and it actually messed it up and I ruined my influence with that person. Our influence is one of those things where it's like, man, when you mess it up, it's hard to regain. Like it takes a lot of time for you to regain your influence once you've messed it up. And so today as I'm talking to us about being influencers, I want us to look uh, at, at this. This is the takeaway for you and me today. That as I increase in Christ, I increase in influence. As I increase in Christ, I increase in my influence. Now, what does it mean to increase in Christ? You know, Paul, I believe it was Paul that said, uh, he must increase and I must decrease. In other words, Paul is saying, Jesus, in every area of my life, Jesus must become greater and I must become lesser. I want you to think about that for a moment. When you think about that for a moment, he must increase and I must decrease. If you think about that in your relationship with your spouse, think about it. We're just going to go through some areas. Think about it. What does that look like when I allow Christ to, influence, uh, to increase in my marriage and, and I decrease? Come on, man. I'm preaching to somebody in this room today. And I decrease my wants, my desires. But what about me? But my flesh is telling me this. Well, we don't walk by flesh. We don't walk by flesh. Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to talk about walking in the spirit when it comes to those areas we, we don't have any issues with. But when it comes to the areas we begin to have issues with, come on, man. What about when we say he must increase in my area of finances? 
Mm, mm, mm. Come on. No, no, you wanting to increase in your area of finances. You're wanting to be blessed. You're wanting to be out of debt. You're wanting to have all of these uh, issues resolved. I'm telling you, how do you do that? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And then everything else, you're doing it backwards. Man, I, when, I, when I can give, I'm going to give. So basically you're saying, I'm going to give God my leftovers. That's what you're basically saying. No, you, he increases. And as he increases, you will increase. But you have to decrease first. In order to decrease, that means you're putting him above yourself. What if you think about that in your area of parenting? Mm. Well, you've been trying to force something over on the kids, but it's like, but what have you done to elevate Christ? What have you done to elevate Christ in the home, in your parenting style? I mean, you go through it all the way down to health. It could be all the way down to church. He must increase. I must decrease. You can even bring it into uh, worship. Like this is, this is how I think. Because I used to be a person that was not a worshiper. It's been so long ago now that that person seems like non-existent to me. But you know what? Like when you want to be a passionate worshiper or someone operating in, the, in, a, in a deeper level of faith, then I must decrease and he must increase. And as I allow him to increase, well, how do you do that? Well, if we're talking about worship, the thing is, is find out how the Lord says we should worship and start worshiping that way and not the way that we feel like worshiping. Does that make sense? Come on, talk to me. That makes sense. That makes sense. And what does God do? God inhabits the praise of his people. I can't ever seem to get in touch with God. I'm telling you what, listen to me, folks. I never have, a tr have trouble getting in touch with God. Sometimes God ain't talking to me because God don't want to talk to me. I had God stop talking to me about a particular subject one time for six months. Made me mad. He would talk to me about other things, but he wouldn't talk to me about the thing that I wanted to talk about. Because he knew I didn't have ears to hear what he would say to me finally when I said God I'm done with this fine we'll do it your way all of a sudden the Lord began to speak to me why don't I have trouble with the Lord speaking to me because God inhabits the praise of his people I'm a worshiper I'm a praiser I'm telling you a song's in my heart almost all the time I'm walking around humming singing whistling you know I worship this, what y'all saw this morning with us, that, this is not, this is not my, the bulk of my worship. Like, God inhabits that. And so when I increase him in those areas of my life, he increases himself. Amen. This is good stuff. Say it with me on the screen. As I increase in Christ, I increase in influence. I want you to turn in your scripture real quick to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start reading actually at verse 40. All right? This is right after it's, it's uh, Jesus has been born. Uh, he's gone through his, uh, his toddler and most of his adolescent years. And this is when he is, is, is about 12 years old. He's, he's growing up in, now into his adolescence. 
in verse 40, says, There the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. I would have whooped his tail. I'm just telling you. I would have whooped the Son of God. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among other travelers, which would have been family members as well. So he's off with Aunt you know, Mildred or somebody. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days later, Oh, oh! you would have been dead. You would have been having to come out of the tomb at 12 years old because I would have done killed him. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Mm. All, because... Influence is what we're talking about today. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this thing to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. And then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all of these things in her heart. In verse 52, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. All right? So in this, what we're seeing is Jesus is, is transitioning. Now, he's not full-blown ministry, but he's transitioning from a little boy, which we don't have. I mean, you see, if you would read uh, earlier in that chapter of Luke, where we got the little baby Jesus that's just born. So there's not a lot about his, adole- uh, uh, his, his, his little childhood years, but he's moving into adolescence. And during his adolescence years, there's an awareness now coming that he knows who he is. And he he's, knows that he's there on assignment. He's on mission. He knows he's supposed to be about the father's business. I don't know if he knows what the business is yet, but he's, he's got to be about the father's business. And so we see him. He has a desire to increase in the father. He has a desire for, you know, for, for there to be community of faith to increase in his life. And so as he's, as he's increasing in this area of his life, he's moving now into another part of ministry in preparation for when he's released finally into ministry on the day of his baptism, all right? So here we have Jesus, and I want to point out two things in this that are important for us to realize, all right? Look, the first verse I read you, 
And the child, meaning Jesus, grew and became strong. Just stick with me for a second, okay? So it's saying, all right, he was a baby, but now he's growing, all right? And he's becoming stronger. So he's growing up physically. But not is he just growing up physically. Look at what the scripture says. It says, he was filled with wisdom. Like he was, in his growing up process, he's being filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So he's, got, he's walking in wisdom, but he's also walking with the favor of God. The grace of God is upon Jesus. It's a supernatural grace. It's not just a, hey, this kid is good at basketball. Or it's not, hey, this kid is good at, you know, you fill in the blank for whatever. There is a supernatural grace upon him that's not evident among other kids. I mean, here he is. He is in the temple asking questions and teaching at a level of the rabbinical leaders. You know, these guys who have gone to school, they've gone to rabbi school. School. They've gone to rabbi seminary. They've been in training for all of this. And here's this little kid all of a sudden teaching, and they're amazed at it. But the point I want to point, the, the, the thing I want to point out right here is Jesus was filled with wisdom here. But look at verse 52. It says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Like back when he was a child, he was filled with the wisdom of God. Back when he was a child, he walked and he was filled with the grace that, uh, of God that was on him. But as he grew, he grew in wisdom. In other words, it increased. His wisdom that he had at 12 years old was not the wisdom that he had at 33 years old. Are you following me? The grace of God that was on him then was still the same grace of God, but he grew into it. Are you following me? This is good stuff. Like we have, when we have salvation, you have all the salvation that you're gonna ever have when you come to Christ. You're not gonna get more salvation tomorrow. You've got all the salvation. However, you are going to grow in salvation. The scripture says, let every man work out his own salvation. A lot of times we take that scripture out of context and we use that scripture uh, to, to, to mean, well, you know, that's good for you to do it, but I ain't there yet. I'm just not there yet. And we use that as an excuse to continue in either mediocrity or sin or, or whatever we want to because we're still working our faith out. No, friend, that's not what that means. What it means is as we get saved, everybody in this place, I can guarantee you almost 99% of us at, are at different places in our salvation growth continuum. Does that make sense? We're just all at different places in our journey. Why? Because some of us have had deeper experiences with God than others because you just haven't, you haven't uh, lived enough in the faith, but you'll get there. Some of us have uh, deeper experiences in the word because we, well, we just have more study in it or whatever, but it doesn't mean that you can't get there. We're just all at different places in the word. Some of us are at different places in faith because you've seen God come through for you in a mighty way 
whereas somebody else may not have seen that yet in their life. So we're just at all different places. However, as a believer, and you know this series that we just came out of, the healthy church. A healthy church is a growing church. And I'm not just talking about numbers. We, we look at that, and I don't know where that came to be. But, you know, hear me. Don't, I'm not saying that a church that is dwindling uh, is, is a good thing. What I'm saying is man puts things on the outward appearance, and the bigger it is, the better it is. That's just how we see things. I'm telling you what, a growing church is a transformed church. A growing church is where you see transformation happening in the life of the people. It can be as big and mega as it can, can, can possibly be, but if there aren't lives being changed, I'm talking about real transformation happening, then not, it's not growing. It doesn't matter if that's a big church or a small church. A church that is healthy is going to see growth in people. And Jesus grew. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature, meaning, he, you know, he got big. He got muscular. He got, you know, he, 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 he's a big guy. He's a carpenter. But he didn't just grow physically. He grew in favor with God and man. Not just God, but he grew in favor with God and man. And listen, I want you to be careful and hear the words I'm saying to you today because you can take any little old part of what I say and any little old part of Scripture and you can create a whole doctrine or a whole uh, mindset about it. But you'll hear people say, well, I just don't care what people think of me. Well, you should. You know, I just don't... Again, you got to take it in context. Why is this person saying this? Why is this person, why am I saying that? But listen, we should care about what people think about us. Why? Because we're the light of the world. When people see my good works, my good attitude, they glorify their Father in heaven. That's what the word says. It brings glory to God somehow. So the way I treat the lady at the restaurant, mm-hmm, I'm telling you, dude, you don't know how many times I've wanted to chew people out. Y'all have heard me say this before. But the very thing, man, is you get upset and you give them a piece of your mind because you're paying $40 for this meal or whatever. And then they walk into church on Sunday. Mm. And the guy up preaching is the jerk that she served the night before. Are you following me? Yes, I should be concerned about what people think if I'm doing it for the kingdom. Now, if you're just narcissistic and you live in life for yourself, don't, don't give a flip what people think about you. Just live life for you. But I no longer live for me, as Paul said. I have died to write Stuart. And now to live is Christ and to die is gain. So you and I, when we become believers, everything changes. Everything changes. And now the way you do business... I'm telling you what, I'm dealing with a business right now. And if you look at their website, if you look at their website, they have something about, you know, we're doing uh, business to the glory of God or blah, blah, blah. I can't get them on the phone. I, I'm serious. I can't get them on the phone. 
Can't get anybody to speak to me. The ones that I have talked to are no help absolutely at all. They're snide. Their attitude is like, well, this is just your problem. It's not my problem. No, that's not how we represent the father. So now everything changes. The way you do business changes. The way you teach, if you're a teacher, the way you teach changes. You know, I've been in the school system before, and I'm like, my God, why are some of these teachers? Uh, my wife's a teacher. There's probably other teachers in, in the house. But I would, I would walk through. I would walk down the hallway, and I would just hear the way that some of the teachers are talking. And I'm like, I swear to God, I don't even think they like kids. Like, I don't do life like that. I don't like yelling and hollering and all of that. Like, I'm just saying, there's a better way to get your kids to get in a seat. There's a better way. Y'all are going to have to sit down right now. I'm sorry. There's a better way. When you walk in Christ, you teach different. I'm going to leave teachers alone. If you're a car salesman, if you're a car salesman, I'm telling you what. You ain't going to lie to customers to get that sale. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to try to oversell them on stuff that they don't need. Why? I know your boss is wanting you to get the numbers up. It's the end of the month. Got to get that quota. I'm just telling you, in Christ, everything is different. The way I move, the way I treat people, the way I interact with people throughout the day. In Christ. He's going to increase as I grow in him. I'm going to know more tomorrow than I do today. I'm going to know more next week than I do this week. I'm going to know more next month than I do right now. I'm going to know more next year than I do this year. I'm going to know more in five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. And Paul, when he wrote the book of Corinthians, he was seeing the exact opposite in many of these people there at the church. He was looking at that and he was writing them this letter and he said, come on now, my goodness, brothers and sisters, this should not be. You are old enough that you should be in the faith. You should be eating the meat of the word and you and, and you are still, still at the place where you're having to drink milk from a bottle. You're still having to be breastfed because in the spirit realm because you have not grown. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When we put him first, we not only increase in favor with God, but we increase in favor with man. I'm going to tell you what. You start doing business godly and you will not need customers to, to, to go out and market. They will come to you. I promise you this is true. If you treat your employees well, you won't have to beg somebody to come work for you. They will show up just out of nowhere because God is increasing favor with man with you. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in a place in my relationship with God that I have favor with God and with man. A few uh, weeks ago, I was uh, actually, what, what are we? We're in uh, November. So this is, this is probably about 12 maybe uh, to 14 weeks ago. So a few months. I'm praying and I'm saying, God, what, what do you want for us as a church? What, what are you looking for us as a church? Like, what's next for us as a church? 
Um, you know, this year we've been really focusing on being a reflection of his glory because God wants the world to see Jesus in me. If he wants the world to, uh, to, to see Jesus in me, then I've got I've to look like Jesus. I've got to act like Jesus. If I'm acting and looking like Jesus, then I have to be growing in him. Somebody who is just a newcomer in, in the faith. I've seen people in the business world where they're, they're, uh, they're uh, confused on how they're going to handle a business situation. Why? Because they're still operating by the world standards of success in business. And then over here, you got this guy. Well, uh, uh, sorry, over here, you, you've got the guy here that wants to do it God's way. That's what I should have said. Well, in the business world, when you operate by God's standard, by God's standard of integrity, um, that there are times where it's going to literally look like you got screwed over. It's go- Sometimes you are just going to have to cut your losses, and, and just say, but you know what? But they did me this way, and they did me that way, and they did this. And it's like, they absolutely did. But I operate by a different standard than these people operate. So I'm going to do things God's way. I ain't going to deal with this person. God's going to deal with them. And I'm going to trust that God's favor is upon me. So this job that I lost right here. I'm believing that the Lord is going to increase me over what I lost. If I lost that, the Lord will bring another job or multiple jobs to me because of the way I'm operating. And so this this whole thing about uh, influence, I want you to look. I'm I'm asking the Lord, God, what do you want us to do? What are you wanting to say to us as a church for this next season that we're going into? Sometimes seasons, you know, we, we think of those as a year, two years, three years. I don't know. This is something that now becomes part of our DNA. And so usually every year in the end of the summer, early part of fall, God begins to speak to me about the direction of our church where all of our, our teachings and ministries really begin to, to flow out of. And this is what the Lord said to me. I want you to say this with me one more time and then, then we're, I'm going to show you. As I increase in Christ, I increase in influence. God began to say, I want this to be your declaration for next year. And he gave it to me pretty much just point blank. As I increase in Christ, he gives me influence to impact my community. So whereas ours to, to date is, God wants the world to see Jesus in me, so I'll live a life to reflect his glory. This is for 2023. I wanted to share that with you now because we're not going to wait till 2023. And 2023, we're hitting the ground running. You know what I'm saying? I don't have time to brush you up on things. And you'll hear more about this over the next uh, four or five weeks that we have left in this year. All right, say it with me. As I increase in Christ, he gives me influence to impact my community. So you see how Jesus... Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with man. He grew in influence with God. And he grew in influence 
with man. When you have favor at your job, you have influence. When you have favor among a certain group of people that you do life with, you have influence with them. You have favor with them. You have influence with them. Jesus, there are some times when Jesus, you look in Scripture and you see Jesus. Now, we just read about the 12-year-old Jesus, the young Jesus. But as he grew into his ministry, there are multiple times where you begin to see Jesus and his influence with people. You don't have to turn in your Bibles yet. I just uh, uh, with me. I just want to read a few verses of Scripture in John chapter one. You see Jesus' influence over Andrew and Simon Peter. These are his very first uh, among his disciples, and it says that um, the following day in verse thirty-five of John chapter one. And really, you don't. I'm fixing to read three different passages, so just listen to me. You don't have to necessarily turn there. In John chapter one, verse thirty-five, the following day, John was standing. Uh, with, the, with the two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. <laughs> Man, G- John's over there going, I'm telling y'all, that guy's a uh, Lamb of God. And they're like, well, we're going to go follow him and we're leaving your ministry. I bet John got ticked off. What do you mean? You ain't going to stay with me? He didn't. Why? Because they're all Jesus sheep. <laughs> they're Jesus sheep. All right. Um, Jesus looked around and he saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and see. He said, I, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went Uh, with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day what's happening there yeah community which was last week you know we talked up a healthy church is a close-knit community so Jesus these strange guys following him begins to build community with them what does he do dude he's investing in them We don't have a record of their conversation, but from four o'clock until late that evening, they're just talking about life. I'm sure he was telling them a lot of incredible things that are not recorded in scripture. What was he doing? He was pouring into them, building relationship, building community, and he 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 was building influence with them. All right. How do you think this would have gone if we're reading this and Jesus, let me see. Let me find it. Um, Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he asked them, what do you want? Now, we don't know what Tony used. But it probably wasn't this. It wasn't this probably. Like, what y'all want? Man, I'm going to Galilee. I ain't got time for y'all. Uh-uh. Maybe we can make an appointment next Thursday. But I got to go. I got to get. It probably wasn't that. So, so listen to me. What I'm saying is as we go into next year, well, we already talk about this right now. We literally talk about this in groups all the time here. Like God will, will interrupt your day with an assignment that if we are not careful and we do not hear Holy Spirit, we will miss the assignment. 
And Jesus, who was on his way, it's like, where was he going? Well, I don't know if he was going to his house or not. He said, come and see. So I guess that's where he was intending on going. But it's like, man, I've been healing people all day, dude. I've been doing fish and loaves and all that. I just want to get back to the crib and go to bed. Like, I, I got to rest. Like, mm-mm. No. He was about the Father's business. He was on assignment. And so they go with him. And so he's building this relationship. And then um, verse 10 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Peter wasn't there. Andrew and this other disciple. Peter wasn't there. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what Jesus said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother and told him. I love how the New, uh, new Life translation, I think, says it. The very first thing he did when he left there is what it says. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah. Like that's, that's not a phrase that you just flippantly toss about. All Israel has been looking for him for, you know, just millennia. And you found him for, for real? He said, come see him. We have found the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet uh, Jesus. And at this moment, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, John, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, Peter, which means Peter. He changed his name. What happened right here? So many things that, that we don't have time to unpack this today. So many things are happening right here. J Jesus influenced Andrew in a way that brought Peter into the faith. Peter was not on the spectrum. Peter was not on the continuum. Peter is not in the picture. It's John Andrew, a disciple. Jesus walks by. Where are you going? Can we come? Sure, y'all come along. They spend hours together. Something is happening. God is increasing his favor with God and man, with Andrew. And Andrew is so inspired by, influenced by Jesus that he goes and he gets his brother. Now listen to me, friends, listen to me. You do not read very much about Andrew. Come on, man, come on. You do not read very much about Andrew in the New Testament. Andrew, Peter, who do we know more about? Peter. Andrew, Peter, who do we know more about his ministry? Peter, are you following me? Somebody, guys, I'm telling you what, somebody, you don't even know who you're influencing. That will be the next, um, I mean, just amazing leader in Christendom. Like that's how important our assignment is. I'm not saying that Peter wouldn't somehow have come around into the, the, the community of faith with Jesus. I'm just saying he did it through Andrew who was influenced through Jesus. Not only that, you go back a little further, he was influenced by John. John is the one who pointed it out. John, man, think about how strong he was in his identity. Oh, dude, let me get these guys distracted because here comes the Lamb of God. Holy Moses. 
All right, guys, y'all, y'all mess with these fish back here right quick for a few minutes because I don't want y'all to see the Lamb of God because y'all be over there in his ministry. Mm. Come on, man. I'm preaching good. Y'all ain't amening too good. Are, do you see what John, he's influencing these guys. John is the influencer in that situation. He's going, listen, I'm just telling y'all, I'm about the kingdom. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be proclaiming his coming. Look, y'all, there he is. If y'all want to go over there and be with him, that's fine. Because I'm on assignment. You know, my assignment does not depend on Andrew, the other disciple. My assignment is just my faithfulness. So you got John influencing Andrew. You got Andrew being influenced by Jesus. You got Jesus influencing Andrew. Andrew then leaves and goes and he influences Peter. And Think of all of the amazing things that we have because of Peter, all right? There's two other instances that I just want to point out to you. I don't know that I'm going to spend as much time on them. But Jesus, when he met the lady, uh, the Samaritan lady at the well, man, he's meeting her. It's a chance encounter. Not for Jesus, for her it was. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was calculated about it. He said, we have to go through Samaria. They didn't have to go through Samaria. There were other ways that they could have gotten to where they needed to go. But Jesus, what was he about? The father's business. He was on assignment. He knew there was a person there that he had to meet. He went there to the well. He ministers to this woman. He does an amazing job of influencing her. And this is what I want. The woman left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? Over here, you got Andrew going, hey, we found the Messiah. Over here, you got this other woman going, I think he could be the Messiah, but I'm not really sure. But he told me everything I ever did. And there's not many people that I know that can do that. There's only one. And so she begins to go and tell these people that, And she says, so the people, verse 30 says, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Think about this. Think about this. The power of your testimony. The power of your testimony. She just goes. Now, she could have gone and she could have had like, y'all, I met this guy down at the well the other day. He's talking some mess about, you know, it don't matter where y'all worship. Y'all worship in Samaria. We worship over here and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, man, I told him I worship where I want to. You know, I mean, it could have gone so different. But he made an impact on her. Why? Because he operated under the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he had grown in this place in his faith. He had grown in this place in his gifting that he's operating under the, oh, he knew that. Uh, see, he knew that because he was God. No, he didn't. Do we not fully understand that he who was God thought it not robbery, you know, to divulge himself? Like he laid all of these things aside. He's like, I'm going to do this life as a man. If he's doing it by God, can I do it? Y'all have heard me do it before because I I preached that message before. If he did it, if he did it as God, if, if, if God came to earth and did everything as God, 
Whoop-de-doo. That's no big deal for us, for, for him rather. Like, no, because I'm not a God. I need somebody, you and I need somebody to show us how we do this in the flesh. And he came, and though he was God, he did not think less of himself to say, I'm gonna do this, but I'm not gonna do it with my special divinity. I'm going to do it, so if I did it, you can do it. And yes, the scripture says he could have picked it up at any time. The enemy takes him up into the highest place, pinnacle of the temple, and said, listen, why don't you just throw yourself down? I'm just telling y'all, if I throw myself down from here in about six to eight feet, I'm hitting the ground. That's what would have happened to Jesus if he had thrown himself from the pinnacle. And the devil, Satan said, you know, you know, you're trying to pull it over on us, man. But you know, you throw yourself down. All you have to do is on your, your way down. It's like, ooh, angel saved me. And it's like, whew, and they're there. They've saved him. But he wasn't operating in that. He wasn't operating in that. If Jesus had thrown himself from the temple under the duress of that temptation, Jesus, the man, would have died. I don't believe that. Well, he died on the cross. He would have died. Why? Jesus, this man, come see him. Come see what he saw. And the people, man, they flocked to that. The power of her testimony. had She had, what, what do you mean? Mm. You got to clean the language up. You mean the town prostitute had influence? Yeah. You know why? Because when she went back from the well, she didn't go back as a prostitute. She, she went back as a transformed, as a transformed because she had been influenced. So she's going back to the town and they're going, look, this is the, this is the town harlot. Like, ain't nobody listening to that old trashy thing, you know? Throws herself away at any old man that walks by. We're not listening to her. No, dude, she came, and she came glorified, you know, restored. There was a change. So that, that influence on him had transformed her. Now that gave her influence with the people. If she, had, if she had come back into the town and she's got Joe number, how many does she have? Five? If she has Joe number six on her arm, y'all, I met this man down at the watering hole. Come on, me and Joe's going back to the crib. We're going to hook up, you know. Y'all need to go see him. I'm telling y'all, he could tell y'all a thing or two about, do you think for a moment they would have, she would have had any influence no, dude, she was changed. She was transformed, which gave her immediate influence. Immediate influence. So God, through his, uh, or Jesus, he, he was an influencer. You can see him through these. And I think verse 13, let's see, uh, or sorry, John chapter 13. This is the last one. Jesus, he's, he's uh, washing the feet of the disciples now remember back to Andrew. Andrew goes and gets Peter. Peter becomes a disciple. He's probably the hard-headedest disciple that Jesus has. 
And so he goes here and he says, Jesus is washing the feet. And Jesus, he says, uh, no, Lord, you're not, you're, you, you'll never wash my feet. Like that's something servants do. Like you're the rabbi, you're the Messiah. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, man, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head as, uh, as well, Lord. And, and what he was saying, he's like, God, you're not, God, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to let you debase yourself to do that. He's like, some servant girl can come in here. Some, some servant guy can come in here and, and do that, but not you. And Jesus, he looks at Peter, and, who has been with him a while, and Jesus' influence looks at Peter, and he says, I'm telling you what, man, you let me do this, or you're not going to have any part of me. Like, this is, this is prophetic, what I'm about to do. And, and it changed him. And then for Peter, I'm telling y'all, like, as even your pastor, like, if you are being influenced by the enemy, y'all know how many people in church uh, they just operate as agents of the enemy. They don't mean to. They don't know that they are, but many times they are. I'm dealing with a situation right now in a, uh, in, in a church that I help to oversee where there's issues. And, and it's sad. It's, it's heartbreaking. Because, you know, if I could, I just want to smack people around a little bit. Like, stop doing that. You know, act right in Jesus' name. That's what I want to do because you, you should know better. But we can't do that. We got to have umpteen meetings and we got to tiptoe around people's feelings and, you know, ballerina style. <laughs> but what if, as a spiritual leader, I say, you're out of order. I love you. I love you, Butch. You're out of order. You're causing division. And brother, let's sit down. We'll talk about this. But if you can't get it together, you're not going to continue to do that here. You're not going to continue to go throughout the church and try to turn people against that one. You, you're going to have to decide. Well, I feel like I'm doing blah, blah, blah. I don't care about all that. Brother, you're going to have to stop that. Or you're not going to be able to worship here. Well, I guess I ain't going to. God bless you. Do you want, you know, do you want me to help you find you another church? I don't want your help for nothing. You know? <laughs> Why am I saying all that? Peter's walking behind Jesus. And Jesus is telling him about his vision. And Peter, in his audacious attitude, he is so audacious. I'm going to chop somebody's ear off. I'll never, I'll never betray you, Jesus. I'll go with you to the very end. You know, I'll kill somebody over you, you know. Um, he's trying to share his vision with Peter. And Peter is trying to rewrite Jesus' vision. And, and, and Jesus turns around. He ain't like, can we have a meeting on Tuesday about this? And I'm going to unfold my vision a little further. He didn't, no, he didn't do any of that. He turns around and he says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. And why, why did he do that? One, because Satan was 
trying to get the ministry to go a different direction. But Jesus had influence in his life. That he's, it's like Peter didn't go, oh, heck no, 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 no. You calling me, mm, come on now, uh-uh. No, you ain't going to call, call, call me again. Say it one more time. Say Beelzebub and see don't I come unglued, you know. No, no, no. Because of Jesus' influence, he had gained the right to just cut through all the muck and the tiptoeiness and just call it what it is. Peter, you don't realize you are, but brother, you're being operated, uh, uh, manipulated by the enemy. And Satan, get thee behind me. He just cut through it, man. Cut through it. And the beautiful thing is like Peter, in that moment, the way Peter responded totally took him to a different level. And he said this. He said, Peter, he said this, or, or Jesus said this. Peter, based upon your faith, based upon your faith, I'll build my church on that kind of faith. So let's say this real quick. As I increase in Christ... He gives me influence to impact my community. All right, so this is what God gave me for next year. And so he pointed out real quickly, he's like, and these are the areas I want you to focus on. So everything we do moving forward in this next season, I don't know how long that season is. It could be literally for the rest of our existence as a church. But he says, these are four areas that I want you to focus on. Souls, like people who do not know Jesus, like uh, there will be, out of this, there will, there will come small groups and different kind of ministry that literally will begin to teach people how to lead people to Christ. Because the, the, the majority of the body of Christ does not replicate the body of Christ. And, and the Lord says, this time... There, we, we can look at this as in a terrible time, and it is a terrible time to be living in, in in our culture. But it's the best of times because there are so many lost people that don't have the light. And he says, I want you to focus on those whose souls are in jeopardy and love them in a way that is going to be more Christ-like than ever before. We're not, not, not badgering, not beating, not ridiculing, not, not anything, not coming into you know, argumentativeness, but God is going to anoint us to win souls for the kingdom of God. He said the suffering, people who are hurt and messy and broken, people who are hurting, like this, he says, I want you to reach out to these people. We have two opportunities right now that we're doing, and that's the jail ministry, uh, and that's the uh, home of grace. Well, pastor, I'm only buying a card and giving them some socks. What does that do? I, take it up with Jesus. He said, when you visited me, you did it to me. When you gave them a meal, it was like you were doing it to me. I didn't make this stuff up. Well, can't we go in and have revival with them? I don't know. Maybe we can, but let's start with a cup of cold water. Let's just start at, at the basic needs. But souls suffering, schools, our local schools. Man, do we, do, do we have to beat that drum any louder? Like, oh my God, the school system. We've got to be influential in the school systems, guys. And then the last one is our cities. And so there will be more time that I'll go into this and tell you about it later. 
But these are the four areas that we are going to, everything we do will, will flow into one of those four areas. Are it, is it touching souls? Are hurting people getting ministered to? And right now, we've got a few ministries that we uh, help uh, suffering through Prodigy Pantry, uh, Home of Grace, um, uh, the, the ministry sit, uh, at the jail. Uh, not a whole lot of you guys know that, but me and uh, Lynn ha- went up and ministered to some of the guys, the inmates, men and women, uh, about a month ago. We're going to be able to go back in December. Um, but more opportunity for you to be involved. That's the key. Like, it's, it's one thing for me to do it. But it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about us and how we are going to go into those four areas and we are going to infiltrate these for the Lord and influence them. All right? So here's how you can apply this. Number one, how can I apply this message today? I want you to pray with me about destiny's influence and impact in those four areas because we want to be uh, influential. That Shay and I, you know this, we planted this church 15 years ago. We're not looking for a promotion anywhere. We're not going anywhere. How I'll leave this church is when I uh, hand it over to the successor that God brings or they carry me out in a box somewhere. Like this is, this is for life. And I want to be a church that the people in our community that we have influence with but not just influence, but that they can point to real life instances where we made a massive impact on those four areas. Amen? So pray with me about that. Pray with me uh, how God will bring us into uh, even greater community with some of these areas, but how you can partner with us. The next thing is make a list of your influencers. Uh, This is something I really want you to do. Before we leave, I'm going to put one more on the screen, and I want you to take a picture of it because this is your homework. Make a list of your influencers, people who influenced your life, all right? And there's a reason I want you to do that. Make a list of your influencers. The reason why I want you to do that is because very few of you are going to have Charles Barkley who influenced you. Very few of you are going to have a president that's influenced you. Very few of you are going to have a movie star that has directly influenced you. Very few of you are going to have any great world teachers that have influenced you. You know who they're going to be? They're going to be everyday, ordinary people that God used to do extraordinary things in your life. Who I am today and where I've been, every place my foot has touched in the earth has been because of the people who influenced me. And most of them were teachers in the public education school system. That's why I'm passionate about the public schools. So make a list of your influencers and then flip it and make a list of people who you have influenced or you're influencing. Like, who are you influencing? Who are people that you are making an impact in their life? Well, Pastor Rife, I can't think of any. Then that needs to change. It can change. It will change. But I'm telling you what, guys. If you could put uh, 
on the screen, Glenna, our declaration for next year. Just will us back to that one. This is what God's saying. He's like, guys, it's one thing to come into knowledge of God. It's one thing to come into a room like this. It's one thing to experience the glory of God. And then kind of bottle it up until we meet again, whenever that might be. That is not the faith that he's called us to live. He has called us to come in here to get full of faith, to get full of restoration and deliverance and all of those things. And as we go out there, for us to exert our influence. I don't know if exert is the best word, but to to use our influence out there to make an impact. Somebody, hear me, I'm prophesying this over you. Somebody in this room, you're going to save somebody's physical life because they are at the point. It, this may not be now. This may be in two years or five years. I'm, t- I'm prophesying this over you. You're going to save somebody's physical life because they're ready to end it all. But because of divine association with you, divine favor that he's given you, you are going to change the direction of that person's life because the influence that you'll exert over their life. There are people in this room, there are people in this room that you are going to change the direction of somebody's profession because they've always told what they couldn't do, but you're going to be the first person that they come into contact with. Hey, I'm telling you this is on point. As I'm saying that, the Holy Spirit just reminded me of, of, of a situation where Shay got one of those little Thanksgiving things. And uh, the kid said something about you, you speaking. I can't recount it. But talking about how you spoke into their life and everything. And, and it was changing their life. That's going to be some of you. If I could just use that example real quick. Uh, Shay, last year. I think it was last year when you were in the portables would come home crying. She would come home just in tears because of how hard that class was. And they didn't like her and she didn't really like them. Uh, you know, just, just a hard class, but this is the influence. And she, over the last few weeks, especially of this year, she has shared with me highlights and these little things that the kids ha- have done and, one of the children that was the, the biggest problem in a year before, that she thought she was making no impact. Do you have that little thing that you could send to me right quick and let me read it? I'm waiting. There we go. It's this thing that they did. Now, these are high school students. And they had this little activity in one of their classes, not her class. Miss, uh, I am thankful for, like, they could have been thankful for chocolate chip cookies. They could have been thankful for anything, but I am thankful for Miss Stewart. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, thank you for being so funny and trying to help me. You're one of two teachers that has ever seen through me and tried to be there for me. 
I love you, exclamation point, exclamation point, little heart. I, I, I just want to tell you, like, when you're influencing, it, it won't feel like influencing. But you're just influencing it because you're doing it, because it's the right thing to do. It's what you're called to do. You may not see immediate fruit, but somewhere down the line, there's going to be somebody who's changed And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of context right here. But I'm telling you, Shay, that changed that young lady's life. And she's never going to forget those days when she was in school with you, honey. Those things that you poured into her just, you know, and some of them, I know you might have felt one attitude in your flesh. But in the spirit you were operating, God changes, has changed that girl's life. And it's not, it's not just there, but it's there and there and there and there. There and there and back there and over here and right here and there and there and there and there and back there. It's all of us. Because guys, I'm telling you, God has given us influence. Here's the deal. To make an impact. Not just, I'm influential in the spirit realm, the end. No, there are people he has assigned to you. And I'm not going to make the impact because God didn't line me up with them. You're not going to make the impact. You're not going to make the impact that he has to make the impact on. Only you're going to make that impact. So let's say it together. As I increase in Christ, he gives me influence to impact my community. Amen.